Lewis Al Van with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Free Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901. And you put a 225 in front of that, you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. That's right, and we certainly wish you would. We always appreciate hearing from folks out of state, in state, or right here in Baton Rouge. That's it. Just give us a call. Make sure more interesting. Something to talk about. <laughs> kind of puts us off in a right direction. There you go. There you go. That's right. We could talk about lots and lots and lots of things, but what we like to talk about most is the things that people have questions about, things sure. they're interested in. And that is how you help people. If I can be speak about all sorts of different automotive topics, but if no one is having a problem with that at this moment, it probably does a little good. That's right. And right now is a perfect time to get a live answer to your question. That's right, because all our lines are wide open. That's it. And when you try to give us a call at the shop, we're just really busy there and don't well, have time. That's what this show is all about. That's right. That's the reason we do this show, and we have a website, so we can't answer your questions. We're glad to do it. But, yeah, if you call me at the shop, I'm not going to be able to come to the phone because it takes 100% of my time to serve the customers that are already there. Correct. So I can't just come to the phone to chat and answer questions. Now, if you want to make an appointment or you want a question about what are your hours or even how do I go about getting this fixed? Well, ladies and phone can certainly handle that, but that they I can. can't come to the phone for that. So if you have a question about your car or something you want to talk about, then now's the time to do it. That's it. And should you happen to think of something after we go off the air today or even next week at midnight, that's right. you can always log on to our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. On that page, there is a contact bar. You just click that little bar fill out the form and send it in it couldn't be any easier that's right and you fill that in one time and it'll ask you do you want to remember this information if you hit yes the next time you bring it up it'll automatically fill the form out for you that's great it'll have your name email address and all that and that's stored on your machine not on some server somewhere so uh-huh. it's perfectly private it just puts a cookie on your machine with your own information on it sort of like when you tell it you want to memorize a password and it just brings that up that's stored on your machine that right go out onto the internet anywhere so it's the way it operates, and it works out real, real well. Well, it's real convenient. That's right. Because filling out those forms gets tiring after a while. The same information, I mean. Well, that's right, because you have to type in your name and your, and your email, email address. address twice, and then, of course, what kind of car you have and what year model and all that. Whereas this way, all you have to do is bring it up and just fill in the mileage and the complaint. Uh huh. You can go from there, and it'll it's, even remember multiple cars. I was just fixing to say, does it have a little drop-down bar yes. where you can? Yeah, it does. It'll store as many cars as you have. That's so great. That way you don't have to keep typing all that data in. And that is wonderful. Somebody put some thought into that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Try to make it as easy as we can. Let's go to our phone lines. Bob, good morning, Bob. Good morning, Lewis and Brian. Calling in just to give a little plug to our spring car show coming up at LSU on Sunday, this Sunday, March mm-hmm. 15th. Okay. It's our sixth annual Baton Rouge spring car show. At 9 o'clock or so, we start registering, and by noon, everybody should be there. Mm-hmm. And at 2 o'clock, we give out the awards, so if you... Get out there as a spectator. It's all free. The cars are charged for charitable purposes. We donate. Mm-hmm. They're $25 to enter a car, and we give out awards at 2 o'clock. And it's at the John M. Parker Coliseum on Highland Road, LSU campus. Okay. Uh, the show is in conjunction with the 13th annual Baton Rouge Spring Garden Show and the 9th annual Kiwanis Nationally Sanctioned Louisiana State Chili Cook-Off. All right. Oh, that sounds great. And quite, quite a bit going on. Yes, and registration starts at 9 a.m., and it's $25 for the car. Spectators right. are free, and all models and years, collector cars are welcome. Okay. And George D'Antoni is running the car show. He's in our car club. We're in the Antique Automobile Car Club of America, mm-hmm. the Baton chapter. And we've got eight chapters in Louisiana. So what kind of cars can people expect to see, Bob? 
You can see everything. We've had the last few years, this is our sixth show. Last year we had a lot of sports cars. Mm-hmm. We had Lamborghinis in the past, MGs, wow. Volvo mm-hmm. sports cars. We've mm-hmm. had Ricklands, DeLoreans. Uh, of course, you'll see your T-model Fords and A-model Fords yeah. and 51 Mercurys and 55 Chevrolets as well. Oh, yes. And we got a lot of Camaros and Chevelles. 60s uh, muscle cars. Yeah. Couple of lead sleds, a lot of street rides, <laughs> and the street riders just had their big show at a Holiday Inn last couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and so they're probably ready for another show, and That's they'll be right. coming out. Well, good deal, yeah. and all totally free to the public. Yes, all right. Uh, the, uh, the chili cook-off, of course, you have to you can pay for a sampler, or you can pay for a bowl, and then go. they are selling plants and going to tour the garden show, and you can come out with a tree or whatever you want to buy. All right. Well, sounds like a good time for all. All right. Well, Bob, I appreciate you calling with that, and that's be tomorrow from 9. Mm-hmm. It start, The registration starts at 9, the judging's at noon, and the awards are at 2 o'clock for the car show. That's right. So anytime in between, you can walk around and look at the cars and that's right. have a good time. That's great. Hey, we're going back to the phone. John, good morning, John. Hi, it's John from Toronto. Hey, John, how you doing this morning, man? Good, and you folks? Good, doing good, great. That's oh, good. I have a 2012 Civic that's just three years old now, and I'm wondering uh, when I should do the transmission and the antifreeze. The car only goes short distance, mm-hmm. you can tell by the... So it, and it's probably more time than mileage with that yes, car. I would probably do the transmission now, John, if it hasn't been done before. I don't like to go any more than 30,000 miles on a Honda transmission because you can't change the filter, so you have to prevent the filter from ever becoming restricted. You know, the filter is inside the unit. So what you do is a double drain and fill. So you don't want to let that go to the point where the filter restricts. So a little more regular service on those. Somewhere around 30,000 miles is generally real good. On the coolant, on the original factory fill, if it's got the blue coolant, which it probably does, you can push that out as much as four years, but three years would not be too soon. On subsequent fills, you go back to three years because you're never going to get 100% out, and also not everything in the system is new like it was when it was built at the factory. And when they filled it at the factory, it was a new radiator, new engine block, new heater core, new hoses, new everything. So that original fill can go slightly longer than subsequent fills. So, I mean, Honda says five years on it, and I mean, I guess you could do that, but I'm always a little, I try to take a little bit of safer tact on that sort of stuff, because you don't want it to become corrosive, so I like to change it around four years the first time, and every three years thereafter. And that system's relatively easy to service also. You can either open the little drain valve and drain the radiator out, or you can actually take the lower hose off the radiator. It kind of makes a bigger mess, but you can get all the coolant out of the radiator, and then if you go to the block... I believe on the back of the block on a 1.8, there is a drain where you can actually drain the coolant out of the block also, and you mm-hmm. can get probably 90% That's right. of the coolant out of the system. You still should do it two times, though, right? The transmission, not transmission, the coolant. not the coolant. Yeah, coolant's a single time. Be good. Correct. Oh, okay. And one quick other question. My daughter's got a GMC Acadia uh-huh. and never done the transmission on it, and it's an 07. It's, it's very low mileage, but uh-huh. it should have been done, but I haven't been able to convince local people here that you need to do it um, <laughs> i phoned general motors uh-huh. and they said there's no filter in it and they were going to do the drain and flush as you said with these dealers are not as good as people like yourself on a lot yeah. of cases i'm not sure what transmission yeah, yeah. i don't well, remember uh, i'm not looking at about that i have to see what transmission's in it it's in cadillac and a bunch of other cars at least i assume the transmission mm-hmm. the engines and in a ton of gm cars yeah it's 3.6 liter engine and i think yeah. i don't remember exactly which transmission they use in it but as far as i know 
they buy a few transmissions from other places and put it in a spattering of cars, but that's mostly on their rebadged models, not on their actual GM products. Right. So what do you think as far as it's the same thing, drain it twice with that one? Change the fluid. Just a standard, okay. standard proper service on it. Well, I laughed when I phoned the dealership. I said, you know, what did General Motors say? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's okay to use the, it's okay to use the flush, but I've read others. Yeah, well, General Motors it. has a statement that they've sent out. Apparently, their dealers don't read it, but they have a blanket statement that says, do not flush their transmissions. In fact, if you send me an email, I'll look up a copy of it and send it to you. Maybe you can print it out and show it to them because I'm apparently not aware of what their parent company is saying because they say, do not flush their transmissions. That's General well, Motors' I won't policy. Be going. <laughs> When they're arguing with me about that, I'm not going to see them. I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. I wanted to double check it because my daughter, she goes to this other fellow, and I'm not quite, totally sure that he's doing the right thing, and he has a flush machine, too. And I said, yeah. don't do it. <laughs> no, no, you're doing absolutely no good, and you can do harm with a flush. Yeah. Well, thanks, fellas. Right. Always nice to talk with you. Hi, right, John. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Alright, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, we would absolutely love to have you. We're going to take a quick little break and be right back with more. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. And that's why you never put a dead or live octopus in the microwave. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my old truck needs some repairs. Or should I buy a new one to save money? Well, let me get out my calculator here. Let's say a new truck costs about $35,000 plus $3,500 or so in taxes, then higher insurance. And you know, in about three years, the value is going to drop to about $15,000. That's $8,000 a year just to drive it. Wow, never thought of it like that. I suggest taking it to Agco Automotive for a general inspection to see if your old truck is worth keeping, which I think it is. And if so, keep bringing it to Agco for regular maintenance, and you'll be able to drive it for a whole lot longer. And I can spend money on other things like my beautiful wife. I'm assuming she's right there in the room with you, huh? Alphonse, you do know it all, don't you? Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco. It's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Tree Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you give us a call? It's 291-6901. And you put a 225 in front of that, you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States. That's right, or even Canada, as John just did. Even Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they still consider Canada's part of the continental United States. Huh? Well, it's part of continental America. North, okay. North America, anyway. It's not the United <laughs> States, but, uh, <laughs> it's certainly in North America. One of the most prevalent questions that we still get, I know we've addressed this a number of times, but it kind of bears repeating, I guess, and that is about oil changes. And I still get probably more calls on that than anything else. When should I change my oil? Right. And what folks are looking for is a mileage number, like should I do it at 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, whatever. Uh And actually mileage is not an indication of when you need to change your oil. Correct. It's just not a good indicator because one guy – who takes nothing but short trips in town is going to be damaging his car to push it out five or 6,000 miles. Sure. Another guy who maybe drives 100 miles a day without stopping, it would be silly to change his oil at 3,000 miles. It still looks like brand new. Mm-hmm. So there's not a one-size-fits-all automatic mileage like people used to say, well, always change oil at 3,000 miles. Right. Well, that really doesn't apply but what has happened is that the pendulum has swung so far the other way that it's gotten crazy now because while 
3,000 mile changes aren't best for everyone. Certainly, five and 6,000 mile changes aren't best for everyone either. It just depends on the way you operate the car. Because the way oil works, it lubricates the car, certainly, but it also cools the engine. Right. It also picks up moisture and contaminants, and it holds it in suspension. Oil has a additive in it called a dispersant, which allows it to dissolve water and hold it in the oil. Mm-hmm. And the way that that gets out, because it's a liquid, it goes right through the filter. So the filter cannot take that out. It just passes right through, just right. like all does. Right. But the way that it can possibly get out is when the engine reaches full temperature... Now the oil gets up to almost between 250 and 275 degrees. Now the boiling point of water is 212. So the water starts to boil, and when it boils, it turns to steam. The steam rises up in the crankcase, and a little gizmo called the positive crankcase ventilation system, it's a vacuum system, draws it out and burns it up in the motor. Right. And that way the oil more or less cleans itself, because what it does is moisture and liquid contaminants, be it coolant or whatever, are... They can't take that much temperature, as much temperature as the oil can. So as the oil gets hot, then it will start to clean itself, and it will rise up in the PC system to scavenge it out. Those are ideal conditions. That's when you can drive the car five, 6,000 miles between changes. Correct. However, a lot of folks don't drive like that. No, most of them get up in the morning, mm-hmm. they go out, get in the car, go five minutes up the street or ten minutes up the street, right. turn it off. It sits there maybe till noon. When they go to lunch, they get in their car, they run down the street, grab a bite to eat, come back. It sits there again till five thirty, six o'clock, whenever they get off work, and it's a little short trip home. That's right. That's not near enough time for that engine to get up to temp no, the for the PCV system to start the working. Oil is probably never going to exceed two hundred degrees. Right. So the water's never going to boil. So what happens is that the dispersants in the oil become overloaded, and that's where sludge starts to form, and also the viscosity starts to shear and break down because of all these contaminants in it. And it starts to attack the metal parts of your engine. That is trying to protect. That is trying to protect. And as folks who push their cars out four, five, six thousand miles, or they wait for the little warning light to come on, right. because those lights are generally predicated on mileage. Right. And some, some of them will go 7,500 miles. Right. Some of them consider time. Some consider just mileage. Some of them do look at the engine load. But as far as I know, none of them really look at the length of trips, which is the main thing they should be looking at. Because if the oil temperature is not getting hot enough to boil these contaminants out, it's going to really start to damage the engine. Couldn't tell you how many vehicles we get in with what I consider low mileage with major engine problems. Sure. Either the rear main seal's leaking because the seals have gotten hard because all of the things that keep rubber pliable have gone away, or the valve cover gaskets are leaking, or the timing chain has stretched, mm-hmm. or one of the cam timing solenoids is plugged up, the screen on is plugged up or it's burning oil, or it's starting to lose oil pressure, and on and on and on and on. These are not reversible situations other than rebuilding the engine. Correct. So you're not ever going to save enough money not changing your oil to pay for even one of these repairs. Oh, no. Much less all of them. But we're seeing a reversal of what we've seen, a trend, I guess, in the last... Oh, probably 40 years ago, it was sort of unusual to see an engine make more than 100,000 miles. It was, right, by, it, it, by 100,000, they were considered it, it needs to be rebuilt. Pretty much worn out. And they got better, better, better because of the computer management systems. The fuel was much more efficient. You weren't washing your cylinder walls down like before. They started running the engine temperatures much hotter because 
40 years ago, they used to have a 160 degree thermostat. Now the, you're now you got a 200 degree, 195 to 200 degree thermostat. Right. The cooling fans don't come on until around 212, 215. That's right. On most vehicles nowadays. So the engines are running much hotter. They're running much more efficiently. So they started lasting longer, longer, longer. Well, by the mid 90s to the early 2000s, it was not uncommon to see engines go 400,000 miles. Pretty easy. I mean, we just got. Halfway decent maintenance. Right. They could go. They would last for a long. Four hundred thousand miles without any appreciable problems. What we're seeing now is a total reversal of that, where we're seeing engines coming in at a hundred five, a hundred and ten, no oil pressure, exactly, jumping timing, all sorts of leak. And what has changed is not the engines have gotten less efficient. It's these all change recommendations that have gotten just all the way out and left field, and that may work for some people. But it is not going to work for the majority of people who don't drive their cars long enough. And like I said, by the time you figure out that you've got a problem, it's way too late to do anything about it. Exactly. But we had a lady who was in earlier this week, and she had a little GM car and had 89,000 miles. Car was, I think, eight years old, but it jumped timing. And, of course, check engine light pops on. It Mm -hmm. loses power and all that stuff. Well, we had to tear the entire motor down, about a $3,000 repair. And she was just getting the oil changed when the light came on. Okay. But her average trip is about three miles. I mean, she gets up, she goes to the beauty parlor. She gets up, she goes to church on Sunday. She gets up, goes to the grocery store. Right. I mean, that's as far as the car ever goes. And she's looking at this little oil change interval, which is predicated out to about eight or 9,000 miles. Well, the lubricants broke down. The timing change stretched. Cost right. Cost thousands of dollars. That's three oil changes that's for her. Right. So Easily. what you have to remember is... You have to look at the way you drive. You, there's no magic number. You can't say, well, I'm going to change every 3,000 miles or I'm going to change every 4,000 or 5,000. That just doesn't work if you don't take into account the way that you drive. Sure. Now, certainly, if you change every 3,000, you may waste a little money if you're driving long trips, but you're not going to do any damage. Exactly. So if you have to err, I'd say err towards that side because you're not going to spend so much on all changes. It's ever going to make up for any of the, the repairs you're going to have to make for not doing it. Now, another major, major misconception, and I hear this all the time, well, I've got synthetic oil so I can go longer. Right. And that is a total misconception. It very much is. Synthetic oil has properties that certain engines require. Like some of the new timing chain engines have big, long timing chains with tensioners and all that stuff. Right. They require synthetic oil because it needs that oil to meet the standards. That is not a reason to go longer. Synthetic oil is a much better product. It is more durable. However, it is also a far better detergent. So it's going to get dirty faster than regular oil. Sure. And especially if you've put it behind a car that's been running conventional oil. That's right. If you're just using little short trips, even if you're using synthetic oil, you still need the more frequent changes. Because the only way to get the liquid contaminants out of your crankcase is a drain and fill. Drain and fill or driving a long enough period to boil them out of there. Right. They're not going to get out any other way. The filter is not going to take them out. The filter is not designed to filter liquids out. That's right. It's designed to take particulate matter, 40 microns or larger. Correct. Anything under 40 microns goes goes right right through through the filter, and any liquid is going right through the filter. Right. So what happens is that you may think you're taking pretty good care of your car because you're doing what the little... Uh-huh. light says or what the dealer tells you to do, but that doesn't take into account your driving habits. And where that goes so far wrong is that if you do read the fine print in your owner's manual, it will say under normal conditions. Now, what they consider normal conditions is 
10 miles or longer per trip. Correct. Anything below that is considered extreme conditions. Or severe service. Or severe service. Now, right. if you look at severe service, they're going to recommend more frequent changes. But most people don't see their driving as severe. Mm-hmm. In fact, well, you don't think about it. That's right. Actually, that should be called ideal driving conditions, and what is considered average should be considered severe. Uh-huh. Because most folks do drive in stop-and-go traffic quite a bit. Well, look, <laughs> bad I was going to say. Yeah, I hit the interstate this morning, and, of course, they had the St. Patty's Day Parade. I must have sat in traffic for a half an hour and never got over five miles an hour. Right. And that is considered extreme service because the engine's sitting idling. It's running real slow. And if you, like most people, drive little short trips, that's considered extreme service. Mm-hmm. Hot weather, when it, temperatures start to get up to 100 degrees, that's considered extreme service. Extremely high humidity, like in South Louisiana, where we have 100% humidity, that's extreme service. Sure. So all these things are going to require a more frequent oil chain than what your light may indicate. Another thing is that the engineers who design cars answer to the CEO and the CFO of the corporation. They know that one thing that sells cars is low maintenance. Whereas they can, when they're selling this car, say, oh, this thing doesn't require any maintenance. That's how the cars are rated nowadays. That's right. It's one of the ways they're rated. So in order to get better ratings, they want to push those out as far as they possibly can. So the CFO goes to the engineer and he says, look, he says, oh, we got to get 10,000 mile all change out of this thing. He says, okay. He says, how long has the car got to last? 100,000 miles. There you go. Okay, we can do that. We'll put synthetic oil, we'll dump eight quarts in, right. and he can push it to 10,000 miles on all change. However, when it gets to 100,000 miles, it's going to be done. Right. Because that was the criteria you told me to meet, and I did it. Right. Now, I don't know about you, but I keep a, a vehicle well over 100,000 miles. Well, yeah, I cannot afford to trade a car at 100,000 miles. No. You know, my current car is 160,000, and I'm not even thinking about trading. No, it. not at all. i got to get two, two and a quarter just so I can say I got my money out of it. <laughs> and, and I'm buying three-year-old cars. <laughs> right, right. We're not buying brand-new no, vehicles. I'm buying a car somebody else has got all beat up on, and then I'm going to push it out that far. Sure. And that way, I can say that I got my money's worth out of it. Exactly. If that's... The way you have to operate, then you need to really look at the conditions you're operating your car under as far as oil changes and not just mileage and not just the warning light. We're going to our phone lines. Bruce, good morning, Bruce. Good morning. Yes, sir. How's it going? Great. I got a question for you. I've got a 07 GMC pickup, and I just had the antifreeze and thermostat change not long ago in okay. it. And on the thermostat, it's marked 186 degrees. Is that a temperature rating on it? Or that's when it's going to start to right open. Yeah, that's when it's going to start to open, is at 186 degrees. It's not uh, fully open, probably to around 200. Okay. Well, yeah, that, 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 is, that is the opening point. And those use 195 on some models, 186 on other models. They've got a couple of different options, just depending on the way they configured that exact vehicle. The computer is so efficient in them now, they can actually do different things with different temperatures and stuff. And it also has an electric cooling fan on it, I think, in which they can control temperature with that as well. So they can get that engine right where they want it. But that's the temperature at which it will start to open, not where it will be fully opened. Because it's, uh, I went back with a factory thermostat. Right. You ought to operate somewhere right around 200 degrees normal. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Bruce. Bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would absolutely love to have you. Go ahead and give us a call. Spend a part of your Saturday morning with us. We're going to take a quick little break and be right back with more. 
And that's why cayenne pepper should never be stored in the bathroom. Yeah. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Hey! Call her what you want to know. Alphonse, my car needs a new transmission, but I think there might be some other problems looming in the near future. I might as well get a new car, right? Well, here's what I'll recommend. Take it to the pros at Agco Automotive for a general inspection. They know their stuff and they're mighty honest. They'll be able to see if there's any problems likely in the future and tell you your best option. And if you keep your car, bring it into Agco for regular maintenance and you'll be driving it for a long time. Thank you, Alphonse. You do know it all. Say, are you as good looking as you are smart? Well, let's just say, I know you wouldn't be disappointed. Learn more about the benefits of AGCO at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. AGCO, it's the place to go. Welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Carey. Hey, three tools will try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 291-6901. We just love to hear from you. We were talking about all changes and when you should do them and I guess that's true of all maintenance on your car. If you look at your maintenance schedule, you got to remember those maintenance items on that schedule are not suggestions. Right. And they are pushed out generally to the blue sky maximum already. Right. They're predicated for 100,000 miles. Right. And if you're going to buy a vehicle, drive it 100,000 miles and get rid of it, you can follow that schedule. That's right. But like you and I... We pushed them way, way past 100,000 miles. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I can't afford to trade one every yeah, I'm looking at couple my, years. I'm looking at my cost per mile, and I want to keep that as low as possible. And I keep my cost per month. It has to be under $200. That includes every penny I spend on the car. Mm-hmm. And it's all my repairs, buying the car, and all that. i got to be under 200 a month. That's what I like to be. If you go, you had a guy tell me, well, I just go lease car. Okay, right. Great. How much are you paying? $700 a month. Okay, well, I can't afford 700 a month. <laughs> and I could, but I like to take 500 a month and put it towards my vacation fund. Sure. sure. <laughs> and by every three months, I can take me a nice little vacation somewhere because yeah. that's more important to me than a new car is. I understand leasing works for some people. But, it does. But for the majority of people, it's just not a viable option. No, it really is. What you're doing, you're renting a car. Right. Is all you're doing. You're buying it, but you're just buying it in a very expensive way. It's sort of like everything else like that when you start looking at Extended, well, extended warranties and all these sorts uh-huh. of things. They look good on paper, but you got to remember, the guy selling you this warranty is making money. Sure. He so, wouldn't be doing it if he wasn't. Therefore, the average person is going to spend a lot less than what he's going to charge for the policy. Mm-hmm. It has to be, or he'd be out of business. He would not be in business if the average person didn't spend a lot less than what he's selling the policy for. Sure. Because he has to pay a commission to the guy who sells it. He has to operate the company, and he has to pay claims. All that has to come out of there. So, on average, you're going to lose money on this thing. Now, as always, somebody will say, oh, I bought one. I died. Okay, well, that's great. You can go to the casino, and you might walk in at the craps table, and you may hit craps, and you may walk out with a pocket full of money. Right. You're but just playing odds. vast majority of people going to walk out a whole lot lighter than when they went in. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the same thing with that. I'm an odds player. I'm, uh-huh. I've got to look at the numerical odds. And if I take care of my car, that's going to skew the odds in my favor sure. a huge amount. And the cost of maintaining my car is a whole lot less than the cost of buying this policy to pay for something if it breaks. So you know those sorts of things. That's the way they operate. It's sort of like a shell game or a, a Ponzi scheme. Uh-huh. I guess somebody's figured out, hey, we can charge people a whole lot more than what we're going to spend, and we're going to make money on this deal. 
So there's no such thing as a free deal or people giving money away. That doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. This is all, you're dealing with experts. You're dealing with financial experts who have analyzed this. They know they're going to come out. Well, sure. Let's say you buy that extended policy and mm-hmm. something breaks on your car. Mm-hmm. Well, you take it to have it fixed and they look over the policy and say, well, um, your policy doesn't cover this item. That's right. <laughs> I mean, there's I, ways around it. Either it doesn't cover this or it doesn't cover yours because of this uh-huh. or it only covers part of this or it only provides for a used part instead of a new part, or right. provides for an aftermarket rebuilt part. And a lot of times they'll say, well, you're getting what they call betterment. For instance, they'll say, okay, yeah, we'll put you a new transmission. But since you had 100,000 miles, you're getting a rebuilt transmission, which is better than you had before, so you got to pay depreciation on that. Get and, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I, I look at them all day long, and the vast majority of people, by the time you pay the deductible, you hassle with the people, you get your car tied up, you come out better just paying for your own repair. Yeah. Save the money. Don't buy those policies because that is you're not going to come out on them. If you could come out on that deal, then they would be losing money. And believe me, they're not. They, would, in they wouldn't money. be in business anymore. Absolutely not. So, just another little tip. You know, what we're looking for when we drive a car is the overall lowest cost. Correct. That doesn't always mean the lowest price. For instance, when we buy tires, we might see one set of tires that are priced $200 less than another set of tires. However, unless we consider, okay, how long are both sets of tires going to last? Is this cheap set of tires going to be out around and beat the front end up and cost me $1,000 front end work? Is it going to tear my rack and pinion up, which could cost me $1,200? So if you look at the total package, the cheap tire is way more expensive. Sure. A better tire. Another thing is dealing with someone who can mount and balance the tire correctly. I hear these advertisements all the time, you know, yeah, 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 we're the cheapest, we're going to do this. Right. Yeah, well, if you can mount and balance the tire right, then that would be great. But yeah. when you let this car go out and it's shaking and it's vibrating, we had a fellow pick up his car yesterday, and he had four, I'm not going to mention the brand name, fairly new tires on it. About 45 miles an hour, the whole vehicle starts to shake. Uh-huh. There's not one round tire out of the four. Those out of round tires cannot be balanced no. and get the vibration no. out. Well, you can you balance, can balance an egg. Yeah, you can balance a square block. But yeah. It's not going to roll down the road. It's going to exactly. bounce and hop. And the lower ball joints are all beat up in it. Sure. So the thing is, I don't think these tires necessarily came from the manufacturer that way because they were a brand name tire. Mm-hmm. But I think they were put on the rim improperly, dry, dry or whatever, right. stretched around the rim, too much pressure put in to blow them out and seat them because it didn't lubricate it, right. balanced improperly right from the beginning. So basically they took a decent set of tires and, and ruined, ruined them, them and ruined the man's vehicle in the meantime. Of course, now he's got to go back and argue and the first thing, well, I don't see anything wrong with them. <laughs> that's when you know you're in the wrong place. Yeah, well, that's because you're a moron. <laughs> you, know, you couldn't mount and balance right and start with what well, you be able to see it wrong now. You know? Exactly. But he's got a big old fight on his hands. He's got to go back and try to either get them to adjust these tires or get them some more sure. tires and hope they mount these right and balance these right. But the thing is, if you do a little bit of investigation before, look at the overall cost. What's it going to cost you to get this done? Because the overall cost includes the price you pay, any problems you're going to have, any time you're going to lose, divided by how long it's going to last. And if you've got a set of tires that are going to last 20,000 miles or 30,000 miles, you've got to throw them away and put a rack and pinion in Okay, you got another set of tires that gives you zero problems for 90,000 miles. Which one's cheaper? Exactly. You paid $200 more for a set of these, but it lasted three times as long. And didn't tear the car up in the process. And didn't tear anything up, plus didn't aggravate you and shake you to death. And Right. And any time wasted is time gone, and well, that's time you'll never get back. That's absolutely right. So you just have to look a different way. And it's unfortunate, but they don't teach that in our school system. No, they don't. 
I know a lot of folks in this area, because we have a lot of industry in the area, a lot of industries have purchasing agents. So we uh-huh. have a lot of people who are educated in this philosophy. For instance, when a purchasing agent maybe looks at buying a compressor, maybe a huge compressor for Exxon Mobil that compresses natural gas, okay. to say. This thing may cost $10 million, $15 million, I don't know, whatever number. Well, he's not going to just go and buy the lowest price one he can find. He's right. going to say, okay, is this one maintainable? Does it have a filter on it? What does the energy cost to operate this one? What is the warranty period? Let me see the blueprints and the schematics, how it's designed. Okay, well, this one has roller bearings in it. This one has bushings in it. So even though this one costs maybe a million dollars more, it is going to last three times as long. It's cheaper in the long run. He is trained to do that. Sure. And you can always tell those folks when they come in, they come to us a lot because they see the value of the things that we do. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the general public is not trained that way. They're trained to look for price. And that makes some measure of sense when you're buying commodities that are regulated. For instance, if you go buy an iPhone. Okay. And iPhones and iPhones and iPhones. Right. It, they all came from China. They're right. all sold by Apple. They all and, came over on the same boat. That's and, right. Right. If you buy one for this price or this price, you're pretty much getting the same thing. Maybe the guy who sells it to you has got a little extra service. Maybe he can fix it. So a little bit of weight there, but mm-hmm. not a whole lot because you're buying a commodity. Correct. But when you're buying a solution to a problem, that is not a commodity, and that varies hugely. Sure. And the thing is, you have to realize you're not buying necessarily a part or a labor item. You're buying a solution to a problem, hopefully, because every day we'll get folks who call and say, how much to rebuild transmission? Well, how you know you need a transmission? Well, I've already had it checked. Okay, but how you know you need a transmission? Well, the guy said I did. Okay, how you know you need a transmission? I don't trust what he's telling me. Okay, well, why would you trust him to diagnose it correctly? Exactly. And some of them just can't get over that. They, uh-huh. they just, i got to have product. Okay, I'm sorry, I can't help you because I can't give you price because we don't know what's wrong with the car. Right. Until we check it, we don't know what's wrong with Sometimes it. Sometimes they come in. In fact, very often they come in. They don't need a transmission at all. They've got a bad throttle position sensor, and transmission shifting funny. One guy came in. He had a bad alternator. Sure. Had a rebuilt Seen alternator, that. and the alternator voltage was going crazy. The transmission wouldn't shift. He was wanting to put a transmission in the car. Right. Just fact, in- if it hadn't been for his father, who just took him aside and said, look, boy, this is what you're going to do. Right. Take, take it to Alexander and let him check the car for you. But he was calling. He was, he was ready, set to go to put a transmission in the car. Which he did not need. Did not need. And probably, if he went with the lowest bidder, wasn't going to be Would as it, good as the one he took exactly. out. Exactly. Because we get that all the time as well. They've already put a transmission in the car. Still got the same problem. The guy at transmission shop sticking up his hands. Says, I don't know what's wrong with it. And now they bring it to us to diagnose the actual problem. So the thing is, you don't want a transmission when your car doesn't shift. You want to know why the car doesn't shift. Right. Which, on a modern car, may have nothing to do with the transmission. In fact... If it doesn't have a gear, that's probably going to be a transmission. If the fluid is black as tar and smells burnt, uh-huh. it's probably going to be a transmission. But if it doesn't shift, all shifting is controlled by the computer from sensors outside of the transmission. Right. There is very little inside transmission that actually controls shifting. Almost everything is outside. It takes an input from the map sensor, the engine vacuum. It takes a sensor from the airflow meter. It the takes TPS. one from the throttle position sensor, right. the speed sensor. All of these sensors give inputs to tell it when to make the shifts. The computer decides when it wants it to shift, commands the solenoid to open, and that's when the transmission shifts. But all the shift points and all that stuff, when it doesn't shift or doesn't shift properly, it shifts wrong or shifts up and down, you may very well not be a transmission problem. I mean, it can be, but a lot of times it is not. So the worst thing to do is start calling around how much transmission. 
Sure, because if you call the right person, you're going to get a transmission. Oh, absolutely. You don't want a transmission. You want your car to shift properly. Correct. It's just like when you have a coolant leak. You don't necessarily want a water pump. You want the coolant leak fixed and the corrosion stopped in your car. That may be the water pump, and it may be something else. But if you just look down and you see some water, well, it must be the water pump. Okay. So you start calling around for the cheapest water pump. You get you a water find. pump now still leaking. Okay, so now, now what? what? <laughs> yeah, and, and you don't have as good a water pump on there as what you had before because they put some kind of cheap junk aftermarket rebuilt water pump on it. Right. Took off a good OEM water pump. So maybe you don't have as good a pump as you had. Maybe put the wrong coolant in it, mixed it wrong, put city water in it. Well, now you got a major now you got a problem. problem that you didn't have before. And I'll kind of start off by going in and asking for a water pump or insert a, t- a word. It could be a radiator. It right. It could be anything. Thermostat housing, whatever it is. What you want is a solution to your problem. So the way you have to go about doing that is you call a proper shop and do a little investigating beforehand, see who has a proper reputation, ask them about their methods, how do you do this, how do you diagnose this, and go in and tell them what the car is doing that you don't want it to do or what is it not doing that you do want it to do. And the time to look for a shop is not when you have a problem. Well, that's right. Time to look for a shop is long before you have a problem. Well, if you establish a relationship with a shop, then whenever you have a problem, it becomes easy as a piece of cake because you already got a trusted guy. You just go to him, tell him he tells you what's wrong, and you do what he says. That's right. And you're going to be fine for that. It's sort of like the relationship you need to have with a doctor, and most people have a doctor, mm-hmm. and someone they trust, and when they have some type of malady, they go to That's the doctor where and they tell go. them what they need, and he fixes it up, and it works out real well. You don't just call around and say, okay, how much is it to remove my appendix? Because <laughs> i got a stomachache. Right. Or how much is it to do open-heart surgery because I'm having chest pains? Because it might be indigestion. Might be all kinds of. Things. I like to think as our, our shop as a doctor's office, really. It's very. Yeah, I like. I like to think similar. it's operated the same way. Well, it should be as far as the diagnostic procedures and stuff to use. You don't just go in and start doing stuff. And of course, if a doctor went in and start doing the things they do in automotive shops, they would. They throw him out. They take his license sure. from him because sure. that would be considered irresponsible. You can't just call a doctor and he says, "Okay, I'll, I'll send you some medicine without seeing you." He's not going to do that. Exactly. Not a good one anyway. Because if he gives you the wrong medicine and it kills you because that wasn't what was wrong and he guessed wrong, well, he's not going to do that. But people think nothing of calling a shop, getting prices. Well, how much? If it is that, how much is it? Well, what difference does that make? Yeah. Because it's probably we not don't know. That. We don't know. And the best shop is going to just flat tell you, I don't know. We're going to have to see the car. And that is one sign that you have called the right place. Correct. They're not going to quote a price on the phone without seeing the car because they don't know what's wrong with it. And they take pricing very seriously. When they give you a price, they're not going to give you some blue sky price to get you in the door and then bait you up to a higher price. Mm -hmm. They're giving you the actual price that you're going to pay when you walk out the door. So they have to know what's wrong with the car in order to do that. So that's the kind of folks you're looking for. That's just a good, good way to qualify a shop. If you call and ask how much is a whatever insert the thing and they give you a price that's probably not a shop you want to deal with right you want the shop that's going to when you walk in and ask for price they can say what's wrong with your vehicle what is it doing that you don't want it to do and they'll explain to you how they go about charging to check it and when they can check it and that's what they're going to quote you and that's where you get your car fixed right the first time that's right hey one last quick little break we'll be right back with more in the automotive hour And that's why Justin Bieber should never, I repeat, never be cloned. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Call her what you want to know. Alphonse, my six-year-old car needs about $2,500 worth of work, a new AC, and tires. You think I should do it or invest in a new car? So how much you paid for it six years ago? 
$40,000. Well, now it's valued at about $10,000, so it costs you $30,000 to drive it the last six years. That's $5,000 a year. Well, let's say you keep the car and spend about $2,500 on repairs every couple of years, which is about $1,200 a year. Way less than a new car, huh? Whoa, sounds like I need to keep my old car. Then bring it to Agco Automotive for regular maintenance, and it will last you even longer. Now that sounds like a good investment. Hey, Al, you got any stock market tips? Oh, for that, you got to tune to my other show, Al's Financial Hour. Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, President of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive question you might have. Just go ahead and give us a call. Still got a few minutes left in the show, and we'll be glad to try to help you out and get you some free advice. We've been talking about overall lowest cost mm-hmm. as opposed to just price and kind of how to shop for a pair and how to save money, be it with an oil change or a coolant service or buying tires or whatever uh-huh. you might do. Now, you got to watch because there are also some shops out that are geared more to selling stuff than actually helping people. Right. And they will try to convince you that certain items are maintenance that really aren't maintenance at all. Mm-hmm. Because doing proper maintenance is very important, but doing things that are not required may be harmful and are, are just not going to help anything. And it's it's a waste of your money. A waste of money at best and possibly damaging to the car. Sure. One of the things we see a lot is the intake cleaning and fuel injection cleaning right. and all of these sorts of things that a lot of shops will push. And I've seen them charge as much as $300 for that service. Sure. You go in, they'll say, well, it's time for such and such such. No, 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 no. That doesn't come up at a time. <laughs> If I had a contaminated fuel system with some plugged injectors, then possibly this would help. Right. But that is so rare that that even occurs at all. Right, because most of your fuel injectors are self-cleaning anyway. They're going to be self-cleaning, and most of your fuel is pretty good. As long as you're using a decent grade of fuel, you're probably never going to have to clean the injectors in the life of the car. Mm -hmm. And particularly with the newer direct injection, that's a whole other set of circumstances. But if you go in and they tell you that, you have to be wise enough to say, well, I'll tell you what, show me in the owner's manual. Show me where General Motors or Ford or Toyota or Chrysler or Honda. Just name your manufacturer. And some of the dealerships even have a little printed out page that they've run off in the back room in the copier. Uh Everybody's got Word or Word Perfect or something. They can make a little flyer, make it look as official as they like. Right. And they flop it out and say, well, yeah, I see you at 30,000 miles. We recommend dot, 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 dot. Okay, you recommend that. But what does Toyota recommend? What does GM recommend? So on. Right. Just because you're in that brand name dealership. Right. Well, what folks don't realize is that a dealership is not the manufacturer. Correct. That is just a guy who bought a franchise to sell a certain car. He paid money to the company to be able to have the rights to sell this car. He makes a fat paycheck off selling cars. Uh He makes a fatter paycheck off servicing those cars and a pretty good chunk selling parts for those cars. But he runs that shop exactly as he sees fit. Sure. He may use aftermarket parts. He may ha- may or may not have any better trained personnel than anyone else. And he may or may not have his own recommendations for things. He just pulls that out of the air. He's not necessarily doing what the company says. Kind of like John earlier called and he said the dealer told him they recommended a f- transmission flush. Well, right. I'm sorry, but General Motors, the car you're selling cars for, says don't do that. That's right. They put out a statement. Yeah. Read your service bulletin. They sent a bulletin to all their dealers and said quit doing this. Right. Not only does it not do any good, but, but it can damage the cars. Right. 
So don't do it. But they still do it because they make a whole lot of money on it. Sure. So you've got to be aware. You've got to take a little bit of time and find the right shop. Find somebody who does know what they're talking about. And there are certainly many shops out there. are some dealerships who do an absolute fine job. Because that, if you've got a guy are. who is a gearhead who's running this shop and he worries about the I's and the T's and all that, He's, he's going to do a good, good job, whether he's a dealer or an independent or whatever. By the same token, if you got an independent shop that operates that way, it is going to be an excellent facility. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've got an independent shop that's run by some Yahoo or whatever, a franchise, anything else, it's no better or no worse than the way it is operated. That's exactly uh, it. Same people, the same human beings working every one of them, the same equipment in every one, the same information systems in every one of them. There are good and bad in every different division. But you have to watch this stuff that they come in, and they'll tell you, well, they recommend this. Okay, now show me where the manufacturer recommends that. Correct. And what we see a lot, a lot of these guys will run, say, a bogus loss leader to get you in the door. For instance, we see that all the time. A favorite is a low-priced oil change because they know people buy oil changes all the time, and most people want to get a cheap oil change. Well, some of the dealers will run oil changes below their cost. They are sure. they are doing that job for less than it costs them to do it. The reason they do it is because they're going to hand you a list of a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand, three thousand dollars worth of stuff, and a lot of people are going to bite on it. Mm-hmm. Way more than enough to make up for those all changes. They oh, definitely. Them. So what I say is, if they want to do the all change below their cost, good. Let them do it. Go there, get the all change when they hand you the list. Then bring it to me or some other responsible shop that you trust. So check this out and see if I really need any of this stuff. There you go. More times than not, what they're going to tell you is, no, you don't need this. Or maybe you need this or this. We get them in all the time with a $3,000 list, and we do $600 worth of stuff. Exactly. And put the car back in perfect shape. So just doing stuff is not the same as doing maintenance. And to finish up, the absolute best way to keep your maintenance up to date, because it's hard to remember when to do all these things, Yeah. just bring the car in once a year. Okay. Once a year, bring it in. We'll do a general inspection. We will tell you everything the car needs. That way, you're never going to be behind on anything. Mm-hmm. You don't have to try to remember, okay, when do I change this? When do I change that? When do I service this? And not only that, we can put it in a priority schedule for you. That's you know, right. this needs to be done now. This can wait for another six months. Right. This can wait till for another year. Yeah, this is coming so up it'll, in a year. It'll be a priority list. Six months. This needs to be done right now. Correct. And we're also going to spot potential problems that we can head off before they become a problem. For instance, that little transmission leak that we can fix right now for maybe 100 bucks, instead of waiting until it leaks the fluid out, burns the transmission up. And you're at 2,000 bucks. There you go. Cheaply. Or more. So. <laughs> That's right. Hey, I see we've just about totally out of time. I want to tell you about how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week also. Tell your friends and go to your favorite broadcast service, whatever it be, iHeart, Stitcher. I know there's several other ones right. out there. Just go to the rating part and give us a written rating. There you go. Really appreciate it. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.